0: Welcome to Mana for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional, which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning to you all. We are looking at our normal, beautiful weather. And uh, as always, I will see if I can come up with a um, dad joke. All right, I know I have one here. Here it is, the dad joke for the today. I accidentally drank a bottle of invisible ink. Now I'm in hospital waiting to be seen. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that one, okay. I needed that. So we will press on. And so, Father, thank you for this morning, blessing us for this time we have together. Continue, God, to in not only transform us, but also open up our eyes and our hearts to these, these truths that can um, make changes and help us, God, to evaluate the world around us and the relationships we have and make decisions according to um, the guidance of your word, in your spirit. So we pray for that, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Chronicles 23 now. Jehodiah sets Joash on the throne of Judah. Now, in the seventh year of Jehoiada, Jehoiada strengthened himself and took captains of hundreds Azariah, the son of Jehoram, Ishmael, the son of Joanan, Azariah, the son of Obed. Mishaiah, the son of Adiah, and Elishaphat, the son of Zikri, they entered into a covenant with him. And they went throughout Judah and gathered the Levites from all the cities of Judah and the heads of the fathers' households of Israel. And they came to Jerusalem. Verse 3, then all the assembly made a covenant with the king in the house of God, and Jehoiada said to them, Behold, the king's son shall reign, as the Lord has spoken concerning the sons of David. This is the thing which you shall do. One third of you, of the priests of the Levites, who will come in on the Sabbath shall be gatekeepers. One third shall be at the king's house. A third at the gate of the foundation of all the peoples shall be in the courts of the house of the Lord." Let no one enter the house of the Lord except the priests and the ministering Levites. They may enter, for they are holy, and let all the people keep charge of the Lord. The Levites will surround the king, each man with his weapons in his hand, and whoever enters the house, let him be killed. Thus be with the king when he comes in and when he goes out. So the Levites and all Judah did according to all that Jehoiada the priest commanded. And each one of them took his men who were to come in on the Sabbath with those who were to go out on the Sabbath. For Jehoiada, the priest, did not dismiss any of the divisions. But Jehoiada, the priest, gave to the captains of the hundreds their spears and the large and small shields which had been King David's, which were in the house of God. He stationed all the people, each man with his weapons in his hand, from the right side of the house to the left of the house by the altar and by the house around the king. Then they brought out the king's sons and put the crown on him and gave him the testimony and made him king. And Jehoiada and his sons anointed him and said, Long live the king! Verse 12, Then Athaliah heard the noise of the people running and praising the king. She came into the house of the Lord to the people. She looked, and behold, the king was standing by his pillar at the entrance. And the captains and the trumpeters were beside the king. And all the people of the land rejoiced and blew trumpets, the singers with their musical instruments leading the praise. Then Ataliah the tore her clothes and said, Treason! Treason! Jehoiada the priest brought out the captains of the hundreds who were appointed over the army and said to them, Bring her out between the ranks, and whoever follows her put to death with the sword. But the priest said, Let her not be put to death in the house of the Lord. So they seized her, and when she arrived at the entrance of the horse gate of the king's house, they put her to death there. Verse 16, Then Jehoiada made a covenant between himself and all the people and the king, that they would be the Lord's people. And all the people went to the house of Baal and tore it down, and they broke it in pieces, his altar and his images, and killed Matan, the priest of Baal, before the altars. Moreover, Jehoiada placed the officers of the house of the Lord under the authority of the Levitical priests, whom David had assigned over the house of the Lord to offer the burnt offerings of the Lord. As it is written in the law of Moses, with rejoicing and with singing in the order of David, he stationed the gatekeepers of the house of the Lord so that no one would enter who was in any way unclean. He took the captains of the hundreds, the nobles, the rulers of the people, and all the people of the land, and brought the king down from the house of the Lord, and came through the upper gate to the king's house. And they placed the king upon the royal throne. So all the peoples of the land rejoiced in this, and the city was quiet, Where they had put out the light to death with the sword. I like, shall we say, the the symbolism we're getting in this chapter. If you remember, God told Joshua as they came into the land, he would set up a house for his name. There he would dwell amongst his people, and and, um, he would be their God. They would be his people. And he set up Israel to be a theocracy, that he would rule as king. Jehovah God would rule as king. But of course, in their desire to be like everybody else, that's our nature. We want to look and sound like everybody else. They wanted a king. Now, prophetically, you know, God has this amazing ability to work out his perfect will even through the sinfulness of man. He gave him David and of course Solomon, and then we're coming down to this king. But the idea is he was he was keep he kept giving them glimpses of how it should have been. I mean, the better plan was to not have an earthly king, but to just have God himself as their king. And, of course, Jesus being divine when he would come would then be representative of God in heaven as king on the earth. But he allows, after, of course, um, one or or two good kings, he, he now, this young king is born, hidden from Athaliah who you know decides she wants to rule um, after her son dies for after only one year being so evil because they're all related to Ahab all of the sins Baal worship everything pagan this God knew this would be the result if they allowed a king to come in uh, and rule over them that he could not would not maintain a pure relationship with himself but this one young king who's like six seven years old he's very young he is brought up in the temple. He's brought up there, and so when he is established over king, he comes from the temple where he grew up into his place as king. And, it's, and all Israel rejoices. And Athaliah, who is a pagan idolater and horrible and immoral, and, just, and, and w- what we see here is the spiritual battle that is always raging there in Israel, that every battle was more spiritual than it was physical. And we see the, the Levites are armed with swords. We see the priest is commander-in chief, really, not the generals. And he's calling the shots. whoever comes in kill him. And he, what they're doing is they're going to battle against Baal or Baal, against all of the demonic forces trying to tear down the system of worship in the temple, trying to get people to turn away from Yahweh. So it's a big spiritual battle, and they go to battle physically against these demonic, um, forces, ideological forces, and uh, and take them down. And so he is established and all Israel rejoices. So it is symbolic of a sense that, look, Yahweh is the king. Yahweh reigns from the temple, and through his ministers, his priests, Levites, and everything, all of them, they are his ministers of justice and righteousness. And they are the, I don't want to say the true soldiers, but they are the soldiers, part of the army of God, to, to, um, to be a, a light to the nations, as we should say. And um, from there, God would rule in righteousness and justice. So it is indicative. It is pointing to the um, future reign of Christ. There's just some hidden jewels there as we look into this uh, young king just simply being a symbol, per se, of um, God's overall per plan. For the um, for our earth. okay jumping over to Joel Joel you gotta you gotta love Joel but you gotta s- kind of study Joel because it's is this complex prophecy maybe I don't know if it's the right way to put that, but there is a lot in here as he jumps back and forth and back and forth between the things going on then and future prophecy uh, prophetic knowledge here. so uh, Joel chapter 2 the terrible visitation. Blow a trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming. Surely it is near, the day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. As dawn is spread over the mountains, so there is a great and mighty people. There has never been anything like it, nor will there be again after it. To the years of many generations, a fire consumes before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, but a desolate wilderness behind them, and nothing at all escapes them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, like war horses, so they run, and with a noise as of chariots. They leap on the tops of mountains like the crackling of a flame of fire consuming the stubble. Like a mighty people arranged for battle before them, the people are in anguish. All the faces are pale. They run like mighty men. They climb the walls like soldiers and they each march in line. Nor do they deviate from their paths. They do not crowd each other. They march everyone in his path. When they burst through the defenses, they do not break ranks. They rush on the city. They run on the wall. They climb into the houses. They enter through the windows like a thief. Verse 10. Before them, the earthquakes, the heavens tremble. The sun and the moon grow dark. The stars lose their brightness. The Lord utters his voice before his army. Surely his camp is very great for strong is he who carries out his word? The day of the Lord is indeed great and very awesome, and who can endure it? Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, and with fasting, weeping, and mourning, and rend your heart, and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and relenting of evil. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, even a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow a trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, proclaim a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and the nursing infants. Let the bridegroom come out of his room And the bride out of her bridal chamber, let the priests and the Lord's ministers weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not make your inheritance a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they among the peoples say, where is their God? Verse 18, the Lord will be zealous for his land and will have pity on his people. The Lord will answer and say to his people, behold, I am going to send you grain. New wine and oil, and you will be satisfied in full with them. And I will never again make you a reproach among the nations. But I will remove the northern army far from you, and I will drive it into the parched and desolate land, and its vanguard into the eastern sea, and its rear guard into the western sea. And its stench will arise, and its foul smell will come up, for it has done great things. Do not fear, O land. Rejoice and be glad, for the Lord has done great things. Do not fear, beasts of the field. For the pastures of the wilderness have turned green, for the tree has borne its fruit, the fig tree, and the vine have yielded full. So rejoice, O sons of Zion, and be glad in the Lord your God, for he has given you the early rain for vindication. He has poured down for you the, the rain, the early and the latter rain as before. The threshing floors will be full of grain, and the vats will overflow with new wine and oil. Then I will make up to you for the years that the swarming locusts have eaten, the creeping locusts, the stripping locusts, and the gnawing locusts, for my great army, which I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. Then my people will never be put to shame. Thus you will know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and there is no other... And my people will never be put to shame. 28. It will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. The days of the Lord. I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth. Behold, fire and columns, blood, fire, and columns of smoke, the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. It will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be those who escape, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Chapter 3, for behold, in those days and at that time, I will restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem. I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Then I will enter into judgment with them on behalf of my people and my inheritance, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and have divided up my land. They have also cast lots for my people, traded a boy for a harlot, and sold a girl for wine that they may drink. Moreover, what are you to me, O Tyre, Sidon, and all the regions of Philistia? Are you rendering me a recompense? But if you do recompense me swiftly and speedily, I will return your recompense on your own head. Since you have taken my silver and my gold, brought my precious treasures to your temples, and sold the sons of Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks in order to remove them far from their territory, Behold, I'm going to arouse them from the place where you have sold them and return your recompense on your head. Also, I will sell your sons and your daughters into the hand of the sons of Judah, and they will sell them to the Sabians, to a distant nation For the Lord has spoken. Verse 9, Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Rouse the mighty men. Let all the soldiers draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords." and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am mighty. Hasten and come, all you surrounding nations, and gather yourselves there. Bring down, O Lord, your mighty ones. Let the nations be aroused, and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, tread, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for the wickedness is great. 14, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon grow dark, and the stars lose their brightness. The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens and the earth tremble, but the Lord is a refuge for his people and a stronghold to the sons of Israel. Then they will know that I am the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain, so Jerusalem will be holy and strangers will pass through it no more. Judah will be blessed, and in that day the mountains will drip with sweet wine, and the hills flow with milk, and all the brooks of Judah will flow with water. And a spring will go out of the house of the Lord to water the valley of Sittim. Egypt will become a waste, and Edom will become a desolate wilderness because of the violence done to the sons of Judah, in whose land they have shed innocent blood. But Judah will be inhabited forever in Jerusalem for all generations, and I will avenge their blood, which I have not avenged, for the Lord dwells in Zion. Wow. <laughs> I told you, Joel, it is amazing. And it's jumping back from present day to future. Could even say present day, a time of Joel, to the time of Christ to the time of the tribulation, to the time of the millennium. It's doing all kinds of jumps there. No way I could I could do it justice in, in just uh, two minutes. I have the teaching on Joel, if you guys are interested. Let me know if it's not on the web. I'll get it on there, but I think it is. Uh, overall, what's he saying? All those locusts that were real, that had devastated Judah because their infidelity their and their lack of faith, it had stripped the land. And he describes them like an army. God's army coming in, marching in line, and stripping everything up in the mountains, going through the windows, unstoppable, marching in ranks. When you've seen, I've seen, Renan, I've seen locusts in the Southwest when they are um, on the march, and it's bizarre because they are all moving in the same direction, and and they 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 don't crowd each other, they each other, they have a little bit of space between them, and and you see them just moving from over here to over there, and they go over everything, through everything, and everything. And they never stop. In fact, they don't, they're don't. they not smart enough to get out of the way of your car. I mean, when we pulled into a gas station once, they were everywhere. And cars were just running over them because they, they weren't going to try and run out of the way. They just keep marching and marching and marching and marching. Unbelievable. And then, of course, the swarms can block out the sun. It's amazing to see this. Well, Okay, then this jumps ahead again and say, well, what happens there is going to happen again. And this is how the Lord is going to judge the people of the earth like he's judging Israel. But you you see Joel throws in, but there is mercy. And there is going to be a new harvest. There is going to be hope. And and Judah could hope that God would bless them. But he says, there's still time for repentance. He doesn't want you to rend your clothes according to the law. He wants you to rend your hearts. He wants you to ask forgiveness and fall down because these judgments of God are because of rebellion and sin. And he's saying, Rend your hearts, ask for forgiveness, and and then we see this jumping ahead. There's even a hint in verse sixteen of chapter three of of the bride and the bridegroom coming out after being hidden. There's really a, a, a what seems to me a pretty clear reference of the rapture and coming out at the end of the devastation of the locust, so to speak, in the tribulation period, the destruction, coming back, then coming back with with the bridegroom and establishing the millennial reign where then the valleys will have this sweet honey and dripping in, and everything will be made right. And so, like I said, there's tons in there in in Joel 2 and 3. Super prophetic and interesting if you guys have the time to uh, look into that. Please do. 2 Corinthians 10 now. Paul describes himself. Now I, Paul, myself, urge you by the meekness and the gentleness of Christ, I, who am meek when face to face with you, but bold towards you when absent, I ask that when I am present I need not be bold with the confidence with which I purpose to be courageous against some who regard us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. For we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. You are looking at things as they are outwardly, But if everyone is confident in himself that he is Christ, let him consider this within himself, that just as he is Christ, so also are we. For even if I boast somewhat further about our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be put to shame, for I do not wish to seem as if I would terrify you by my letters." For they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his personal appearance is unimpressive and his speech contemptible. Let such a person consider this, that what we are in word by letters when absent such persons, we are also indeed when present. For we are not bold to class or to compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves. But when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, there without understanding, but we will not boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the sphere which God apportioned to us as a measure to reach even as far as you. For we are not overextending ourselves as if we did not reach to you, for we were the first to come even as far as you in the gospel of Christ. Not boasting beyond our measure, that is in other men's labors, but with the hope that as your faith grows, we will be within our sphere enlarged even more by you, so as to preach the gospel even to the regions beyond you, and not to boast in what has been accomplished in the sphere of another. But he who boasts is to boast in the Lord, and it is not he who commends himself that is approved but he whom the Lord commends. Apparently, there was a lot of eloquent speakers in Corinth who did a very convincing job of convincing these Christians in the church that they were God's anointed and they somewhat compared themselves by themselves. You know, certain teachers, um, it was like these Jewish rabbis and stuff and Pharisees had reputations and they would say wise and profound things and they gathered a lot of people, but they condemned Paul and they criticized Paul and they said Paul was in it for some other reason than really preaching the gospel because you had not been one of the original apostles, and, you know, he pushes his authority and says he's anointed by God, that he was chosen by God. And they kind of look down on on him, especially when they saw him in person and, and heard him speak, and they go, he's not eloquent. Yet his words were. And Paul has to defend himself and just says, hey, man, don't look at the outward appearance. That's what man looks at, but look at the inside. That's what God looks at. And he's basically saying the words we're speaking to you are coming from God. Whether whether we look impressive on the outside or not, how we speak on the outside, know that I'm honest, basically he's saying I am only doing this by by the anointing of God and I'm only doing it by the power of God. and I'm not doing any of this for my own benefit or my own gain in any way, shape, or form. All right, Charles Spurgeon, the Lord will be with you, Second Chronicles 20, 17. This was a great mercy for Jehoshaphat. For a great multitude had come out against him, and it will be a great mercy for me, for I have a great need, and I have no might or wisdom. If the Lord be with me, it matters little who may desert me. If the Lord be with me, I shall conquer in the battle for life. And the greater my trials, the more glorious will be my victory. How can I be sure that the Lord is with me? For certain he is with me if I am with him, if I trust in him. If I trust in his faithfulness, believe his words, and obey his commands, he is assuredly with me. If I am on Satan's side, God is against me and cannot be otherwise. But if I live to honor God, I may be sure that he will honor me. I am quite sure that God is with me if Jesus is my soul and my Savior. If I have placed my soul in the hands of God's only begotten Son, then I may be sure that the Father, Will put forth all his power to preserve me, that his son may not be dishonored. Oh, for faith to take hold upon the short and sweet text for today. O Lord, fulfill this word by thy servant. Be with me in the house, in the street, in the field, in the shop, in company, and alone. Be thou also with all thy people. God can and will. Bring about his will, perfect will, at his perfect time. And that is the hardest part for us, isn't it? It's the timing. Why not now, Lord? Why when are you gonna when am I gonna see this? And that's so difficult for us. But he the encouragement from Spurgeon is he will do it. Stay faithful. Watch God get the glory. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning and blessing us as we can come into your presence each and every morning and call out to you and and ask you, God, to please be glorified and win the battles that we face in our life, that we need you, Father, we need you to be uh, the one who is is ever um, conquering over the enemy for us, and that we might see you, God, be glorified and there's so many incredible encouragements and things we learn here, God, as we live in the days of Joel, and we've seen these these prophecies that are being described here as essentially um, almost beginning. And, uh, and, and the, the encouraging thing, God, the exciting thing is that we know that you are going to be the one who fights the battle, and you are going to be the one who fights against the enemies, and you are going to win. And all we need to do is step back and trust you and watch you as you come against the enemies of the world. Just stand back, stand and see the glory of God being done, being accomplished. So as we know that's coming future, in the future. We ask that you would help us do that now. Uh, but trusting you in faith, taking steps of faith for sure, not being idle in our walk moving forward, but knowing that you are going to fortify us and, and fight for us. So help us in that, God, in all aspects. Help us in that to trust you in our, in our health as well. As we know, there's many uh, things that are going on, many people struggling that need help. And, and just fortify their bodies, help them to continue to trust and, and believe in you. I want to thank you for your blessings. Thank you for Peter finding a job uh, as he is rejoicing that, uh, he's found some work right now. We, we rejoice in that. We pray that you'd help, uh, Dean and Kim as they're needing the income, uh, in a big way right now. But then we pray that we'll, they will see you be glorified coming through God for them and their hour of need so that they can rejoice when everything looks impossible. Then you can bring forth this, the perfect job and Therefore, they know that it's you, and you receive the glory. So we do pray for you to come through, God, for them in that, and anyone else looking for a a uh, employment right now, as this is a difficult time to to find employment. So we do pray for that, and uh, we just we thank you for for the houses we have and the food that we do have, uh, no matter what it is or where it is. We just thank you, and and the jobs continue to. Help us be stewards of all that you've given us, Father. And again, God, we, we thank you for those who have been touched by your gospel, Sunday at church, those on evangelism team, those listening online may continue to use your word, Father, to touch lives, to transform, transform lives. You are the one. All we do is um, sow the seed and maybe water a little bit. We, we carry out your desire to share the gospel, but you are the one that brings to life. You are the one that causes the growth. So we pray for that, God, and thank you, and ask you to bless the rest of this day as we put it before you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much, and we will pick this up again tomorrow at the same time. God bless you guys. (laughs) Bye-bye.